Welcome to Witch Watch, America's number one source for watching the witches. And I didn't think of the rest of that rhyme. Digging ditches. <laughs> Digging ditches, yes. In, there in the you back go. of our Dracula. Or... This is the second time Dracula has come up in air. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Matisse Fenrossum, and this podcast is all that I have left. I'm Ben Sheets, your resident cameraman. Who can take tomorrow, dip it in a dream, separate the sorrow, and collect up all the cream? The handyman can. I mean, the handycam can. <laughs> <laughs> Almost got it and then landed. I was just, the amount of times I practiced that to get past collect up all the cream and not start laughing. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. Oh. Um, hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm coming up from about a food poisoning, so if I don't make any sense this podcast, I'm apologizing in advance. Arby's food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is already going so good. Uh, as I hinted at, we're we're joined again by Aaron Volusik, all the way from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Aaron, we're so glad Hello. to have you back. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> It's going great. Uh, we're talking about a good movie today. Uh, it was Aaron's choice uh, since she wanted to come on the show. Said, well, let's let her pick. And thankfully, she picked one of my favorite movies. But we uh, never had any doubt. No. no, no. <laughs> I mean, if you, you listen to the last episode with Aaron when we talked about Haunt. <laughs> yeah, which was fun to talk about. Which was great, honestly. Like... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like yep. how how is it that every time Aaron is on the show, Rob Zombie Dragula comes up <laughs> right off the bat with this one, and it's and it's never Aaron's fault; it just <laughs> happens. I want it to be a reoccurring theme. I want to make sure that that comes up every time. Yeah, that I'm on this mic, so Aaron brings the Rob Zombie energy to this podcast. You also have the uh, the the person who did the what is it called, like the embroidery or whatever, where it's dig through the ditches and burn through the witches. Uh, they did Dragula, but it's on like a little pillow, a little grandma pillow. Nope, I did pretty not good. see that. Someone did that. I thought it was pretty great. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tonight, tonight we're going to be talking about. The 1999 film, The Blair Witch Project, directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez and starring Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard. Yeah, so Aaron, since this was your choice, and I know you were saying that you thought it might be like a, a hot take or that you might have a hot take on this. So I want to I just want to let you start things off and talk to us about your your relationship with The Blair Witch Project. Okay, so the first time I saw it, I was pretty young. I was um, in sixth grade, and there was a sleepover with my girlfriends, and this is when Blockbuster still existed, so oh, yes. you know Recipes. it was, like, super lit, like, Friday night when you went to the Blockbuster, and whoever the parent was in charge, they let you, like, rent whatever movie you wanted, and so... We all went. There was probably like five or six of us. I think 12 is like about the age where you want to start watching scary movies. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we were like, we need a scary movie. We need a scary movie. And like it came out in 99. But like it was it was still like the scary movie of our time, I would say. So like that was the movie that everyone was talking about, the Blair Witch Project. So we were like, we want a movie that like scares the pants off of us. So they let us rent um, the Blair Witch Project. We were so excited. We watched it in this girl's basement, lights off. We set the mood. Like, we had our candy and our popcorn and everything. And I remember watching it as a 12-year-old, and, and, like, I was so disappointed when it ended because I was just, like, the only scary part was, like, the last scene to me. 
that and and I was so pissed and I was like this was like so built up for me and it was just like terrible and I hated it and I was so disappointed and then years went by 10 like almost 10 years and I was in college and I don't know why I thought about it again but I was in film school <laughs> with you guys and Those I thought simpler time and um I thought to revisit it for some reason and so I watched it again as a college student I would say about 20 years old and I had like a whole new appreciation for it obviously I had already seen it so I knew what I was getting into but I viewed it as more of just a movie I wanted to watch it as just how I felt about it as a movie not as a horror film and I really really like liked it and then I watched it again Fast forward six years, uh, I watched it again for this podcast, and I had a whole new appreciation for it. So it's like I appreciated it for one thing in college, and now today I appreciate it for a whole nother reason. But I also like can still draw roots back to my 12-year-old self and understand why I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> so basically, like I kind of went through this transformation with this movie, And that's why I kind of wanted to talk about it with you guys in particular, because I'm not really like married to this movie in any sort of way. I don't like love it or hate it. So I wanted to like get another person's opinion on it and see like what you guys thought about it as well. I'll I'll definitely get into my opinion shortly, but uh, I want to move to Cleveland next because this was actually Cleveland's first time seeing it. Yes. Okay, cool. It was my first time sitting down and watching the movie. That said, I already knew the film front to back. It's so ingrained in pop culture. Yeah. The the end sequence in particular uh, has been played out. Uh, I, I actually in in one of my like classes, like we uh, we we watched the end of it like once. So like I'd I'd already like seen the ending, you know, before. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it's it's a bummer when that happens, but you know, sometimes it. It does. Um, And of course, too, like I've seen all of the films that it's responsible for, you know, that that exists because of it. Uh, Even like uh, what's the uh, the alien one they did like four uh, uh, sequels to or whatever with the handy cam. It's like Godzilla, uh, Clover, Clover, Cloverfield, Cloverfield. Yeah. Yeah. Which we have talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've done all of those movies. I remember seeing Cloverfield in theaters, which uh, of course has a much larger budget. Also, uh, when I was in high school, watched a lot of uh, Marble Hornets, which is that uh, Slender Man series not all of it but uh i I do remember being very attached to that when i was a youth so point being uh very familiar with the film having not seen it and i liked it i i I thought well good i i thought that the the things held up relatively well was i enthralled did it blow my mind you know uh no uh but i thought i thought it was very competent um, oh. as a film. I have very few complaints other than perhaps I would have I would have liked a little bit more sustenance and to have had a little bit more built up in the scares, but uh, in the scare department. Good ben, things. how you like this movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this movie is a mo- uh, one that's so massively influential. You know, while there were found footage movies before this, certainly, this is really the one that kicked off found footage horror in such a big way. And it's so influential in the way those films are structured. It wrote the language for yeah, those kinds of films, really. Yeah, in both good and bad yeah. ways. I think this movie is 
not perfect by any means. And a lot of the problems this movie has carries over to future found footage horror movies in a lot of ways. Things like Paranormal Activity, uh, especially, where, you know, you do have a lot of downtime Mm -hmm. in these movies. And Mm -hmm. uh, this movie handles that mostly really well by instilling kind of a sense of dread throughout that of being lost in the woods. Some of it is necessary to kind of propel the realism, but at the same time, it can only go so far, especially if you want realistic-feeling actors. You know, it it kind of carries on a bit much. And, you know, it definitely goes places, and I think uh, when it works, it really works. It's a mixed bag for me, and I'd love to dive in a little deeper into some of those elements so before we do let's get tisa's take yeah so it sounds like i kind of expected this to be the case but it sounds like i'm the only one who like really loves this movie deeply um i i actually have a pretty similar relationship to it that you do aaron i think i saw it for the first time around the same age 12 or so at um like a friend's birthday party in october and he like his parents like set up a sheet on their deck out back and then got a projector and we projected this movie and we all thought that it was kind of boring too like we did immediately after it was over go get the the video camera and try to do a found footage (laughs) horror film in the woods behind his house (laughs) didn't work out well at all um but yeah, like we we also like thought it was kind of boring. Um, I one of my friends found it so boring that he picked up an empty Domino's pizza box and flung it like a frisbee into my eye. Um, <laughs> don't know why that happened. It just colors my memory of this movie. Um, but then I, I revisited it like later, I think in high school, and like had completely turned around on it. And every time I've seen it since then, I I feel like it has just sort of, like, cemented itself further as, like, maybe realistically my favorite found footage horror movie there is. I, I think that the reason that it is such an effective found footage horror movie is because it puts so much emphasis on, like, true authenticity with there not being a script everything being all of the dialogue being improvised like not telling the actors what the set pieces were going to be really just like setting them loose in the woods with a camera and then the crew fucking with them to get authentic reactions that being said and though i did love it again on this rewatch i can very easily see how people who come to it much later especially like younger kids who have pro- who have never seen it would find it immensely boring because mm-hmm. it is really just three college kids stumbling around the woods yelling at each other for 80 minutes yeah, <laughs> you have to boil it down. I think it's really good. I think like the I think the the character dynamic is like the best part of the movie, and the yeah. way that they interact with each other is some of my favorite stuff. But like if you boil it down, yeah, it it is it is kind of just nothing. Like it it is it is extremely subtle, and that's also why I find its horror pretty effective. Still, is because of the subtlety, especially in comparison to so many found footage horror movies that have followed it and are not subtle at all and end up being, like, way worse for it. I wish I could have been 
at around like 15 or 16 and seen this movie like in a vacuum for the same reasons I was around that age the first time I watched Fargo and didn't know anything about it. You know, there'd been enough time to pass where I could actually approach it freshly and reading that intro sequence where it says like, everything in this film is true. Yeah. Like, and getting like, through damn, the whole no thing. way. Yeah, whoa, really? And like, and like, you get to the ending credits and you're like, wow, that's insane. I got to look up like the, uh, the actual events. And then you, you look it up. It's like, holy shit, they got me. Like yeah. they got me good. And ding, dang it. Dang it. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> but that, that feeling of getting like, bamboozled. like, um, uh, by the creators, like they can't lie. Oh my God. Like, uh, was, was such a, was such a gratifying feeling. And I would have loved to have entered this film the same way. Uh, and because I know many did. Because wasn't this film uh, like first released like online or something? Or it was not. It was, was the... it was one of the very earliest viral marketing campaigns for a film in 99. It was tried like they did pass it off as a real as real found footage to the extent that years after its release, like people were still calling the actors parents and like w giving their condolences and like asking if they ever found the kids and stuff. But like, yeah, they, they pitched this as like three kids went missing in the woods. We found their film equipment. This is, this is what happened. And they really played into that with their online marketing. They had like a web, like a missing website with all of yep. the actors and stuff like that. Awesome. So, and it's like, that hadn't really been done to that degree before, so people were much easier to fool. And I think that the authenticity of this film really lends to that because nothing happens in this movie that you'd be like, fake. Yeah. And yeah. that's yeah, no le no no one's levitating in this movie. Right. There's there's nothing yeah. there's nothing like that. And while yes, it can read as boring if you go into it just expecting like a paranormal activity or a found footage sort of yeah. whatever, like you're, you're going to be kind of bored by it, but no, if you go in with that naivete, like it, I, I bet it fucking rules. I would love to experience Honestly, it. Well, I think it's perfect for its time too. you know, before the internet was so massive that you could have seen this and not, yeah. you know, had it immediately spoiled completely on the internet. And that's the thing, like the makers never, officially released a statement saying that it wasn't real so it's like that just sort of worked its way around by word of mouth that like oh yeah that's not actually real uh, i mean yeah. they didn't try to deny it but they didn't be like everybody don't worry this is fake yeah um well i heard that the um the actors in that film before it was released were not allowed to like text anybody they had to um, not get in contact with anybody that tried to be like, are you okay? What's going on? They weren't allowed to like talk to anybody and like reassure them that they were like fine or whatever until the movie was released. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. To be like blistered yeah. off until, you know, it really reminds me of, it's an effective, uh, it's effective tactic. Orson Welles's, uh, reading of war of the worlds over live yeah, radio. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That same sort of prank. And I, I love that. There's definitely a lot of credit to be given to that in respect to the realism and how they do manage to pull it off and, you know, make mm -hmm. it feel believable to the very end. So let me ask you this, Aaron. With your newfound appreciation for the film, do you find it scary? It's funny that you say that. So the second time that I watched it uh, when I was in college, I really did genuinely enjoy the film. I thought that the chaotic nature of the filming itself 
was pretty scary. That was something that had not really been done before from that perspective. And it's rare until that point that camera movement is something that like contributes to the horror of the film. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like when it's seen through, it's almost as if you are the perspective. It makes it a whole lot scarier because it's as if you are in that situation. So I appreciated that. But rewatching it, I really liked it as a film, but I would have... I feel like its biggest flaw is that it's misgenred. I think it should be categorized as like more of like a thriller yes. or a suspense versus a horror. Because when you say horror, you're kind of expecting death or blood or <laughs> ghosts or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so Well, I mean, I think this film has has things that would be certainly considered horror as like the elements of the supernatural. There is death there as there is blood and a little bit of gore too. Um, mm-hmm. but very, that's not like the, the finding the teeth and like all like in the, and the yeah. blood packs, like, like that's, those are things that are not lacking in thriller films either. Yeah. Sure. Like to, to be fair, like, like serial killer, like films and such. Like, yeah, there's, but I think there's enough of the super, like the, the, the antagonist, the Blair Witch is like a distinctly supernatural force. Like there's, there's obviously supernatural things happening in the film enough that I, I think that it earns that. I mean, it's not. Like you mentioned, Cleveland, there's nobody, like, levitating in, in this yeah. movie. Um, but, which, thank God. Yes, thank God, right. truly. Right. But the third time that I watched it, I thought to myself, is there really a paranormal effect to this movie? Or is it really just them getting lost and the idea of getting lost, like, really psychologically, like, fucks with you and kind of makes you go crazy? Like, is the spirituality just kind of in their head, which like is terrifying. The reason why for me definitively no is because it is a found footage film and the camera is supposed to be the objective observer. You know, we're viewing the footage that was left over from this event and Mm -hmm we do experience things like the children laughing outside of the tent, the tent being shaken, them finding the bundle of sticks with, uh, with Josh's like tongue and teeth and eyes in the camera objectively observes those things. So while I think that if it wasn't a found footage film, you could make that argument. Like, are they just going crazy in the woods because they're lost? I think that because of the structure of the film, the medium that is like, yeah, this stuff is it, it actually in in the universe of the film, it it actually happens. Here is my middle point in the universe of the film. I think that there's still credence for it being multiple people like there is still. Uh, oh, you think it's it's yeehaw rednecks in the woods fucking with these kids? Oh yeah, or Blair witches. Okay. Um, like uh, there's there's some sort of like you could say there's some sort of weird like Texas chainsaw esque family you know responsible more than sure. one person. I think it would is is enough of a, a reason to excuse anything that occurs in the film. But uh, I think it's more fun thinking that it's a supernatural force. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I think I, I that, like within the world, value. within the world building, like I, I think that there is credence for that, and I, I, I appreciate that more because it's the the uncertainty that makes it scarier. That we never see the the witch is way creepier because it, it allows for us to you know keep 
like projecting that that creature. I want to I want to come back to that, but first, yeah. What what, what I kind of love structurally about that is they start the movie with a series of interviews of different town folks, yep. and they're all giving different folklore about the Blair Witch and what what happens in the woods, and they're all different the mythos, stories. Yeah. They're all way different than each other. And then throughout the movie, you see basically all of them happening to them. In some them, form, yeah. In some form. And it kind of plays credence to that multiple witches theory because you're seeing all these different disparate ideas thrown into the mythos itself. And yeah. I think it works. I think the structure of the interviews itself kind of helps add to the creepiness because you have a little bit of context. I think without context, it almost would have been almost too minimal. Too vague. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I think sure. the I I think the way that they set the mythos up through the interviews with the townsfolk at the beginning gives you as they go into the woods and this shit starts to happen to to them, it it gives you like a space for your brain to play around in, like trying to connect to the the ideas that have already been posited. It's my favorite part, which is great because everything they do is so subtle that by providing you the mythos, you're able to make those connections. Because I agree with you, Ben. I think if they didn't do that, then some of the shit that happens would be would be way too vague. Yeah, yeah. The, those interviews at the beginning are, are my favorite aspect, mm. and they, I wasn't expecting them. Like going into this film, it's one of the the few things I didn't think I'd get out of watching this movie um, in 2020. And uh, because of that, it it had a much stronger impact on me. Uh, I wasn't expecting to get so much like lore, Mm. Um, especially like the one story about like the the guy in the cabin in the 1940s. As soon as I heard that story, I was like, yo, where's the movie of that? I I want that. Like, that sounds awesome. Cleveland, to your point, see, this is why I wanted to talk to you, all of you guys about this was because like, it's kind of fun to digest it. So what freaks you out is like the paranormal and you like to think that like the Blair Witch did have something to do with it. And there was a Blair Witch. Whereas like for me, like the psychological aspect, like that's what freaks me out. And I think it's like a good film that caters to like thinking about what certain people might be scared by and keeping it super vague and super open to be like, yeah, maybe it was a paranormal force, but also maybe it was just like people from the town that they interviewed who knew that they were like from out of town that were like fucking with them, which to me is like so much more scary. Like that real people are like fucking with other real people. So I think it does a good job of like catering to what different people might be scared of when they watch horror films without explicitly saying like, hey, this is going to be a witch or this is just going to be like a crazy person that, you know, is in a small town. You know, I don't know. If well, that no, sense. definitely. And and uh, an odd comparison, but much like Eraserhead for me, like there's it's abstract enough. Uh, it, it is abstract, but there is enough textural grip that you can latch on to certain aspects and you can project your own fears onto it. And that, that's yeah. Yeah, way scarier. I agree. I absolutely yeah. agree. The fact that we're able to to have this kind of discussion about, like, what the actual antagonistic force in the movie is, is because of an accident on the part of the filmmakers. Because apparently in the scene 
where um, the the tent starts shaking at night and they all run out into the into the darkness and just like run into the woods when Heather screams, oh my God, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? The cameraman was supposed to pan into the woods and we would catch a glimpse in the distance of like an old woman in like a white gown. But when they shot the scene, the cameraman forgot to pan and they just didn't reshoot it. So instead... Which I think would have been actually much less effective. Yeah. To see to see that it's like, oh, there's an yeah. old woman in the woods, there's the witch. But instead to just get them running directly into the darkness and her just like shrieking, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? But we don't see what she's talking yeah. about. Way more effective in my opinion. I yeah. think if uh, we'd but seen... But also at the same time they were like, okay, we're not going to do another take of this because he forgot. To <laughs> I mean, maybe they didn't realize that he didn't pan until later or they were just so happy with that take that they said, like, fuck it, we'll just we'll just go. But I mean, whatever, for wh- whatever reason, it- it's a good thing. I'm glad I l- that's yeah, yeah. one of my favorite things about this movie. I love I that agree. we never see the witch ever. Right. I just think it's funny. It's like, wait, why didn't you guys do more than one take? But yes, I think <laughs> it, it works, but also what was going on there? Yeah. I saw that this movie was shot in like eight days, Yep, which totally checks out, oh, honestly. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Eight days? Yeah. Oh, damn. And they, they really just like sent the actors like out into the woods and they gave them like very specific instructions for how to get to places. So they would end up at the right set pieces by the time they had to camp. Wow. But they really were just like wandering around the woods camping every night for eight days while they shot this film. And they didn't know what was going to happen each night. Um, Like the directors and stuff had it planned, but the actors didn't know. So a lot of the reactions are authentic because they were like actually scaring the shit out of these people. Apparently they actually did get lost like three times. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Did you guys also look up the budget versus what it made? Yeah, it's insane. The most successful indie film. I don't know if anything's beat it, but in terms of like multiplying the budget, yeah, by like what it made, I have it's just absurd. I have the 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 exact numbers because I think they're worth mentioning. It cost sixty thousand dollars to make and made back. $248 million, which is a ratio of $1 spent for every $10,931 made. Oh my god. Yeah. That's like the indie dream. Holy That's fucking crazy. shit. Yeah, holy fucking That's shit. That's why you haven't seen those actors in anything else, because they did so well. <laughs> <laughs> yep, That's it. <laughs> Well, should we should we talk a little bit about the the actors? Like, how do you guys how do you guys feel about out about our characters? Great. We've got Heather, who's the director of the of the film they're making. Josh, the cameraman, and Mike, the sound guy. How do you guys feel about these characters? You say great, Cleveland. Yeah, I thought they all killed it. Um, uh, I think as actors, yeah, they absolutely uh, kill it. Props to Josh for blending into the trees so well. <laughs> Um, uh, as a character, uh, he's, he's very, he's very flat. He's very not believable. Uh, he's very believable in that he's just a dude. Um, he never... he's usually the one behind the camera. So he's usually our eyes for most of the film until he, 
gets abducted by the witch. Right. Um, and then uh, he, he doesn't get his eyes anymore either. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the it's it's funny to, to give a lot of props to him. But I, I, I do stand by it because he never tries to steal the show. It's never it, it's never made about him, except for like even at the end as a horror set piece. It helps again with the, the film's believability. Uh, he's just someone else along for the ride. Uh, and of course, uh, the other two actors, uh, yeah, they, they killed it. Like the, the, the tension is, is fantastic, uh, throughout. And I, uh, found it often quite believable. Uh, the, the throwing, none, the of, it was, the none of it was scripted, which is really surprising to me. Yeah. It's, it's great improv. Throwing the map in the river bit is a little much, but, uh, I, I, I do somewhat believe it. Like when they're, uh, starved and, uh, exhausted, uh, and not thinking clearly there's, there's some credence to it but it's funny you bring that part up because that part fucking pissed me off i'm sorry from like a storytelling perspective or because uh like kicked the map in the river from a storytelling perspective because he gaslit the fuck out of her and was like you're the one that had the map the whole time where is it and she's like i don't know i don't know where it is and then he later admits yeah i'm the one that threw it into the water yeah he's a fucking (laughs) asshole they're like oh well, this sucks, you know, but it's like they literally like yelled at her for like a whole scene and then nothing. He was just like, oh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, a toxic piece of shit. You. I mean, yeah, I, I I like that that bit because it's like, yeah, he's a that's a really, really fucking shitty thing to do. And like he really fucking I mean. I was going to say he really fucking screws them over, but at that point, you know, how much of it is them not having the map and how much of it is, like, whatever the the time-space distortion that the Blair Witch is creating is, like, would they have been able to get out if they had the map anyway, you know? Eventually, it becomes kind of a moot point, and... I think that that's why it it makes sense that they, you know, turn all of their anger on Heather. I I think she becomes very sympathetic uh, in in that moment. Um, And and like that's when you really start to feel for her. But I think that at that point, like after the really horrifying shit has started happening to them, that they try they blame her because they're out there for her movie. You dragged us out there and they forget about the map, even though that's are like arguably a much worse uh, you know, thing to do. But yeah. it's like at that point it's moot. It's like we're out here, we can't find our way back, even when we keep walking in the same direction every day, we end up at almost the exact same spot where we camped the night before so yeah it's like... i feel like all three of the characters are fairly grading personalities yes. at certain points in the movie and i think that's what really adds to the dread of the film because it feels like you know they are going insane from getting lost in the woods and being hungry and uh, you know, starving and tired and, and freaked out. Yeah, it really adds that realism. I will say, though, first half of the movie when they're, you know, shooting the the film. Yeah, their documentary was just going to be shit, terrible. man. It was yeah, going to be awful. Just, I like if they got out of the woods, it would be like 15 minutes of interviews. And... But that's the perfect thing. It's a col- It's a fucking film school, a <laughs> film exactly. student documentary. That's why I kind of liked it because it was like so realistic because like how many times have we watched like shitty hometown 
documentaries like that well, yeah, in and, our like and, film one one classes, you know? Yeah. Like I loved that aspect of it because it's like, yeah, it was going to be shitty. And it, you could tell that they were just trying to like fulfill an assignment. Like it, this was just, this wasn't anyone's like, senior it's, film. It's, it's, like, like they weren't trying to do anything profound. Oh, see, just, I, like, in that aspect, I disagree. I, I think that, I think that Heather takes this project very, very The seriously. fact that she goes yeah. out of her way to shoot certain things on 16 millimeter. Yeah. And it's like, some of it I can yeah. say is like this, it was the nineties. <laughs> it was a different time. But one of my favorite things, especially watching this movie today is, is at the very beginning, like when they're, you know, getting all the equipment together and they're getting ready to head out, you know, embark and, and start shooting the documentary. She's like, she's like, I, I want this to be very serious. I don't want this to be cheesy. I want to avoid all cheese. And then immediately after that, we get the part where she's standing in the graveyard in black and white, like reading a passage from like the old journal. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like, I want to avoid cheese. And then you do that. And it's like the cheesiest, most pretentious film school ass shit. Yeah, the, the lack of self-awareness I, is, is beautiful. It. Yeah, and I, I love it because it's like, yeah, you're exactly right, Aaron. Like, how many movies like that did we have to watch in, in all of our classes and shit? Just like mm. everything else in the film, it feels incredibly authentic. And I, I want to double back to, to something you said a few minutes ago, Ben, uh, when you said that all three of them have pretty grating personalities and i think you're absolutely right i agree i think they're all fucking obnoxious <laughs> people but why i love that is because at the same time especially as the film progresses they manage to become extremely sympathetic yes like i i i legitimately feel for them in their fear and terror and exhaustion and despite the fact that you spend the first half of the movie rolling your eyes at these pretentious film kids like the fact that you can still make your audience feel for them so deeply by the end of the the movie i think is is really effective and considering that none of that shit was scripted I think it's a testament to how good these three actors are. Yeah, and I think it's mm-hmm. mostly because they feel human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? they, they're real people. When when times and real. situations get desperate, you sympathize with them because they feel like actual people and not just caricatures that are, oh, hey, we got lost in the woods. Yeah. We're going to get killed by a spooky witch. Well, it's it's such a good writing play. It's 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 the equivalent of like the bully with the abusive stepdad, you know, where it's you're 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 set up to to not dis, to dislike the character and you have the rug swept out from under you. You know, as, yeah, as he's you're, a bully you're, you're his on. stepdad bullies him. Wait, yeah, so well, is the abusive stepdad the Blair Witch yeah. in this analogy? <laughs> yeah, you got it. That's the that's the metaphor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, like it's it's so amazing how we can we can just uh, put you know whatever we want onto this monster. Yeah, you know, project. Yeah. Um, well, I will say like with the characters, when Matisse asked how we felt about the characters, like that was the one thing I thought of is like for how little of a dialogue that was written for these guys, like. The character development is incredible, you yeah, know. It's, really um, good. It, it's exactly what you guys are all saying. It's like you go in thinking that it's like one thing, and they went in thinking that they were going to be one one thing. It, they're very confident. They're like whatever, and then they came out of it just being absolutely terrified and like 
completely affected by this Blair Witch. And I think that was like a very subtle but very effective way. That's the thing that I look at most with films is like the character development. Mm -hmm. And for this one, I was like blown away to like completely shift the mental well-being of a character within, I don't know, 90 minutes. Incredible. I think, too, that it's that same reason that the common pitfall of found footage horror movies of why are you still filming uh, is not an issue in this movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because, like, that's always what you think. It's like, why, if you're in this situation, why do you keep filming? Why do you keep filming? Why don't you fucking forget about the camera? And it's that's when, you know, the suspension of disbelief is broken. But in this, not only are they constantly yelling at each other to turn the fucking camera off, which I think Mm -hmm. is something that is always dropped way too quickly in other found footage horror movies. Like, somebody would be like, hey, turn that camera off, and then it's never mentioned again. But that, like, by the end, when it's Heather who's doing all the filming and she, like, has her her admission that, like, the reason I'm still filming is because this is literally all I have left. Like, yeah. this is the only thing that's keeping me sane right now is still trying to document what we're experiencing. And if I did not have this, I would go crazy. I would go completely crazy. Yeah. And and that feels authentic. And it's like, OK, well, then uh, now I, I believe while you're lug- why you're lugging this camera around the whole time, you mm-hmm. know, yep. but so yep. much of it is just like looking at the ground and stuff. And it's like you never see the witch. So it doesn't look like the camera is when they're running or something trying to still like get a glimpse of the monster so we can see it. It's like they pointed at what they need to see, but that's it. It's such a great testament to her character. It also justifies like her bringing like extra battery packs along that we never see it. Like that's the the easiest and uh, like quickest answer to why they still are able to keep rolling. Well, and because one and of also, the cameras is a is a is a just straight up sixteen millimeter that's probably cranked. So mm-hmm, exactly mechanical, yeah. And uh, like, but it, it, it's such a great testament to her character, and that like like many directors, like she she cares more about the film than her own her own well being and the well being of her compatriots as well. Like, uh, I don't even know if it's so much that she cares more about the film; it's that it's. It's a distraction. It's enough of a distraction that it gives her something to focus on to like center herself. Well, I think I, one of the characters said this yeah. that much. You know, it's yeah, uh, kind does. of uh, a distancing tool yeah. to separate herself from the situation. Exactly. I was just about to bring that up. That helps that stuff so much too. Like when he's filming her, and he's like, "You know, Heather, I see why you you want to keep using this camera because." It really just kind of lets you separate yourself from reality. It gives you a, a a barrier, and it's like, yeah, that makes it makes total sense. It it, it does allow her to, for her own sanity, keep a, another layer between her and like what she's experiencing. And mm-hmm. I wish that more found footage movies would would have the presence of mind to try to come up with a believable reason like that for continuing to film because it's so frustrating yeah. yeah one thing i want to talk about is the sound design particularly oh, yeah. the sound design when it comes to all the nighttime tent scenes because i think it does a whole lot of the heavy lifting um in terms of the scares 
Uh, I would argue all of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> especially in those sections. you don't see anything. Yeah, ever. there's nothing else. Yeah. I mean, combined with the, the actors' reactions to them, but anyway. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of it is very subtle. You know, it's people shuffling about, children laughing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, different sounds, but I think they add so much to kind of the spookiness. Well, I think the reason that's effective is because they were actually making those sounds on set instead of adding them later in post. So you do get that that subtlety because, once again, in other found footage films, like, when they're like, what was that? Did you hear that? And then, like, we can hear it clearly. But so much of the spooky stuff you hear in this movie, it's like, you really have to turn the volume up or run it back and listen to it and listen for it again. Because it's like, it is done so subtly and that it feels like there's actually something out there in the woods around them. And combined with their reactions to those things, that's where the real the, the tension comes from, I think. I have a question. Mm. Do y'all think that it would be possible to have a Blair Witch sequel uh, that doesn't involve a found footage aspect? Yeah, they did it. It's called Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows, and it's terrible. Wait, doesn't it still have a found footage element? I don't think so. I haven't seen it, so I wouldn't. They know. did a they did a sequel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's no, it's notoriously horrible. Like one of the worst sequels ever. There's like, also a video game. Like well, who did it? Like that same production company, or no, like no, no, no. There's there's actually two sequels. There's there's the the Book of Shadows one that came out a few years later that I don't think is found footage, um, and then. They did the the reboot slash sequel uh, a couple years or oh is that the one I'm thinking of that Ty West did that I haven't seen but I've heard is really bad yeah, yeah I didn't realize it was, was it Ty West or it was Adam, Adam Wingard, Wingard. Yeah, yeah I get the two of them mixed up I don't know why yeah Adam Wingard which is weird because like he does a lot of really good movies and yeah and it's weird that he went from sucks. like the yeah. guest to that. Book of Shadows is bizarre. I the the concept is like some adults get fascinated by the events of the the first movie, so they go into the same woods to figure yeah, out what happened. It, doesn't it have like a meta aspect where like they're they see the first movie? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, big fans like they're of the fa- first like movie of, of the movie, <laughs> knowing that it's a fake. It's like a human centipede one and two. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's just overly self-indulgent yeah and then i i i don't i haven't seen the adam wingard one that came out a few years ago but i do know that it involves time travel oh and and that maybe Ah. and that maybe the blair witch is an alien oh god that's like kingdom of the crystal skull or whatever i which is like when when i started hearing about that stuff i never ever had any interest in in seeing it I know what my next movie pick is. Uh So, yeah, I was actually going to ask you uh, you guys about that. It came out in 2019, just last year, then the remake. What? That was only last year? Yeah, I was going to ask if you guys had seen that. I didn't even bother. No. Uh, But now that I'm hearing that it's, like, completely annihilated, I'm 
absolutely not even gonna. Yeah, there's a little part of me that is just morbidly curious. Okay, no, no, no. It came out in 2016. <laughs> the The video game came out last year. That's okay. the spinoff. Of, okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It came out in 2016. Because I remember, I remember seeing the uh, the trailers for it when we were in Milwaukee, and I'm like, damn, did it only come out last year? Um, sorry to, yeah. to cut you off. I, I'm morbidly curious about it though, because like same. I I like the I like Adam Wingard as a director, and I think it's written by Simon Barrett as well. Right, which doesn't Whoa. make any sense. Yeah, and <laughs> your next is amazing. The guest is amazing. Yeah, the guest Their rules. collaborations are awesome. Oh, oh. But yeah, oh whack. I don't know. Are, are we gonna have to? I'm, are we gonna have to watch this movie and talk about it on the podcast, you guys? Eventually, yeah, like, maybe. Like, I'm down. Like I'm down to rejoin. I'm just like. It annoys me when people choose to make remakes of movies like this, where it's like we are. So the reason why Blair Witch was so successful is like what we just talked about. Like people didn't know what to expect. There was a huge marketing like ploy where they were like, you know, these people might still be missing. It was like marketing really like built it up. It was unlike anything people had seen before. So to make a remake like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like people in Hollywood just take successful movies and think they can make remakes and it'll be successful. But it's like the reason why it was successful is because it was monumental for its time. Lightning in a bottle. Yeah, yeah, it was a sleeper hit. Yeah, exactly. Lightning in a bottle. I mean, that's why every time some Hollywood fucking producer decides to take one of these like classic horror movies and try to reboot it it's always terrible because it's it's not only is it a cynical cash grab that's just trying to cash in on the popularity of the original but also it's like all of those original films are like very special sort of like time capsules of when they were released and like the culture and the climate. And it's like, you can't just try to redo it decades later and, yeah. and expect it to be successful. The, the landscape yeah. of yeah. horror yeah. movies yeah. have changed. You know, when this came out, there were not any other found footage horror movies really. Right. And uh, if you right. release something, if you release this exact same movie, today with no changes after paranormal activity seven it would do horribly yeah it would do horribly because people have seen found footage movies left and right they're all over the place and they would and they would that's why i was saying earlier i think they would find this movie boring because it is so it is so subtle and and you never see the monster and nothing really happens you know i mean stuff obviously happens but like people would not be into that now but yeah because this film like wrote the language like created the canon for all of those movies that followed and again all those movies that followed like they couldn't do it the same way like they didn't have that same suspension Mm -hmm. of disbelief they had giant monsters in them uh people Mm -hmm. levitating uh stuff like the fourth kind you know, like all all of those movies have like like hyper fan- fantastical elements in them because you can only play that once. No yeah. one could do it after Blair Witch. Like, uh, and those those films were only able to ride that same wave because they were same but different. You know, and they right. uh, they maintained that. And I personally, I think there I are wouldn't plenty mind, of uh, other good found footage films. Like, there are a lot of good ones out there. 
Sure. Probably more terrible ones, but like it's not it's not to say that Blair Blockbusters. Witch Blockbusters. It's yeah, it's not it's not to say that Blair Witch is the only like found footage film that ever did it right, but um it like yeah It, it might be the only blockbuster though. Like no, uh, that I think I that, think that had the suspension of disbelief element, you know, that oh, that, that played. Oh, out well, the, well, people when people actually thought it was real, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think like that's what I'm saying. You can only do once. Okay, yeah, that yes, that yes, very okay, specifically yes, is what I'm that saying. very specifically. Yeah, yes. all right, sorry, I, um, I, I misunderstood that. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like that's what like they they were the ones to get to it first. And it's like you can't do that ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't work anymore. But by principle of it being released in theaters, takes that whole element away. In the same sense that like you, you can't get away with like having nurses waiting in the wings, like like Hitchcock had for Psycho. Like you can't, you can only do that once. So yeah, I, I think uh, that. <laughs> well, you Them's know, my the, thoughts. The <laughs> funniest thing about the remake is I don't even know if it's a found footage movie. I think I think it is. I, I can swear yeah, I've seen I'm I've seen clips sure of it because because yeah. I, I I think the plot has to do with like a relative of one of those people trying to go back to the woods to try so, and find them or something. Yeah. So so the I I do know the premise. It's that Heather's brother, who was like two when she disappeared is in college and sees a video on YouTube of a woman like in the woods. And he's like, I think that's my sister who disappeared back in 1999. Even though this video, even though this video is from this year and she looks exactly the same. So I'm going to go out into those woods and I'm going to take a camera and I'm going to try to find her. And that's why there's the time travel element because the Blair Witch is an, is an alien and no. uh, and yeah so the reason that she looked the same in the video from 2015 or whatever is because she was time traveled by the Blair Witch but then what? he gets time traveled back to 1999 I've not seen this movie so I don't this take it sounds like of... just okay, a hot you guys, mess I think we have to cover I think we have to cover I it. think so oh, like, honestly I'm maybe I'm, I'm here for it uh, <laughs> I, I do want to push back just slightly on the idea that found footage horror movies can't get away with like the semblance of reality, because I think one great example that arguably got closest to that was par- the first Paranormal Activity, and it was a huge success because of that. And I think it Did really you- is a testament to but- how... Paranormal Activity didn't have, like, the, oh, it could actually be real element to it. Like, like it's played by that in the framework, but, like, the audience going in, like, with the levitating people and, like, it being, like, a large theater release. Like, because I'm pretty sure, like, Steven Spielberg, like, helped produce it and stuff. Like, it was it was just a, a large-scale production from the beginning. It didn't the have, first like, the one was start. a very indie... It was, it was a very uh, indie film, but it got released to a bunch of theaters because Steven Spielberg saw an early screening of it and gave it a bunch of money for distribution. But I remember the buzz around that movie when it came out, but I can't remember. I don't remember it being marketed as real. They actually had a a viral marketing campaign in a similar way where you would request it to be shown in your theater. I do remember uh, that. I do, much. No, I remember that too, and and I remember a lot of people doing it because I I do think the marketing campaign was very successful. Yes, I mean I clearly they made like six of them. I don't think, I don't think they were trying to pass it off as something that really happened. I think yeah. it was like definitively. Do you remember Aaron? 
I have actually two pieces of trivia for oh. um, paranormal activity Hit for us you with guys. That. Later. Okay, so um, Blair Witch was made on, as Matisse said, about $60,000 and made like $250 million almost. Paranormal Activity was made for $15,000, which is insane, um, insane, and made, I think, more than that. I don't know for sure. Um, more than fifty thousand dollars, I would hope so. <laughs> no, more than I know, uh, no, I like I mean, more than. Um, sorry, I mean more than two hundred and fifty million. Um, so it's like the widest margin of budget to revenue ever. And then the other thing is that that movie, the script was actually written ages before it actually came out, but they threw it out. They were like, "This is garbage. I don't want to." Like, we're not going to make this. But then Blair Witch came out, and then um, and then that had so much success. And then, like, there was kind of this revival where they were looking for a new paranormal, or, like, uh, sorry, new Blair Witch-type movie to um, release. And so that's how Paranormal Activity ended up getting made. So Wait, so it's you're, like, it's- you're saying that the, the script for Paranormal Activity actually predates... Blair Witch? No, not Blair Witch, no. Oh, okay. But, um, but it predates, like, well before when Paranormal Activity was actually okay. released. It was submitted to, like, a bunch of production companies, and they just kind of threw it out, and they were like, this is garbage. But then the success of Blair Witch, because of the success of Blair Witch, they were looking for another found footage-type film, and then that's how they kind of, like revived the script and they were like I'm hey. sure after I'm sure after the success of Cloverfield too which came out I think 4 years after Blair Witch or no when did Cloverfield come out 2008 almost 10 years later no wait yeah. fuck I always get the day we've covered that movie mm-hmm. well in the meantime I think the with those films the same but different element the the but different aspect I think is the fantastic um, you know, it, it is that there, there is little, little doubt in your mind as a viewer that you're still watching a movie. But what I, what I was okay, arguing is paranormal activity came out a year. What I, my film. argument was, you know, I think it's a testament to Blair Witch that a lot of its success is because it feels so authentic. And with paranormal activity, a lot of the buzz at the time was it because it felt so authentic it mm-hmm. might go over the top in the third act but a lot of yeah. people were talking about it yeah. because oh it feels so real well i remember and i agree you know, with that yeah I absolutely the, yeah. i remember I, yeah, the you're trailer right. was mostly uh like night vision shots of theater audiences being scared oh by my god mm. and they were like, do you remember that yeah they mm-hmm. used to do that the scariest film ever <laughs> <Yeah>. made <laughs> Just, like, a bunch of, like, kids and, like, drunk soccer moms. Throwing their popcorn. Like, yeah, throwing their popcorn. And surprise. The, the scariest movie ever made. Like, and, I mean, yeah. we have a, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point on the show because it's unavoidable. But, like, I, I think the first Paranormal Activity is pretty decent. Like, I don't have, I don't want to talk too much shit on it. Yeah, no, same. But it's, like, uh. It's fine. It's a fun movie. It's, uh, I do think that, like, it's. It has the same kind of cultural impact that Blair Witch does, but I definitely don't think it's as uh, an effective film as Blair Witch. One thing I want to talk very briefly about, though, is the Blair Witch game, 
Um, I haven't played it yet, uh, but they did just announce that it's going to have a VR release. Oh, interesting. And I think that that is where it really belongs. And I'm hoping at some point uh, down the road to have the opportunity to play it because in the same way that the original Blair Witch film sort of proceeded or sort of grandfathered in a new genre uh, uh, and a new medium, like with the found footage element that like the, the horror and VR is still very fresh and new and it's a cool place to have it. I have seen that the game has like, weird tree monsters in it but you can't really see them uh i mean yeah it's it's i've heard the game is pretty good but it is based off of the the adam wingard 2016 so i think there's a lot of like the weird uh the the weird time travel i mean i i think it probably works better for the video game because it it apparently has some pretty interesting mechanics this is not a video game podcast i don't know but, too far but, down but this it is still hole. it is still blair witch relevant uh, um yeah uh, i i'm i'm curious enough that i want to play the game and i guess i guess we're gonna need yeah. to watch this this <laughs> yeah. remake and talk about it because the you have to you have to be there for that we yeah. have to because <laughs> the game is made by the same studio that did uh, yeah. layers of fear which yes. is a pretty fantastic yes. game as well and also I'm i've worked with, with the voice actor who plays the protagonist Look in uh, leo wiggins uh who plays the protagonist in the blair which game so i am yeah i'm 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 pretty curious to check it out and i i think that there's there's some credence to it being in vr and the the possibilities of horror there i, um, I don't know if it's out yet but that could be especially cool. if it would be a, like a terrifying video game to play i think you're absolutely right it has more clout there than it would with like any sort of remake right. <laughs> like because the there remake. is like a handy cam element in the game, I yeah. think. So like actually being in VR oh, and really? holding up the camera, you know, and trying to like, I can be pretty freaking spooky. Like, yeah, that I think, sounds good. I think they use the camera in like cool puzzle solving ways mm-hmm. where like w- when you look through the camera, reality like changes from what you're seeing. So like you can look at there'll be like a wall or something and then you hold up the camera and looking through the camera there's a door there so you can walk through um i think it does stuff like that Mm. so like yeah i think i think for for a video game that kind of stuff is like the perfect medium for it would i want that kind of shit in a blair witch movie movie? i don't think so Mm -hmm. i like like we've been talking about so much of the strength of blair witch relies upon its subtlety and ambiguity and as soon as you start trying to throw rules at it it gets way less fun and spooky i think yeah yeah no i agree well okay i have a quick question for ben which would like goes back to what we were talking about before with paranormal activity so the ending of paranormal activity obviously went into the like unbelievable part where we were like, eh, okay, whatever, this is a movie now. But do you think that that was, like, necessary if they were going off of, like, Blair Witch and, like, maybe taking in some of the reviews of Blair Witch and being, like, there wasn't enough horror or shock factor? So maybe they took the last scene of Paranormal Activity and were kind of like, we need to make it very extreme even though it wasn't believable, do you think it was, like, a move to, like, make it, quote-unquote, a better film? I do, and I think it worked. Yeah, definitely. I think, especially with Paranormal Activity, there's less of a sense of dread through the movie, so it does feel like more of a an amusement park ride, almost, uh, <laughs> going from one spooky night scene to the next. 
um, up to the climax. I do want to expand a bit more on the ending of this movie, though, because I think it is incredibly successful and it is a big buildup without taking away from its authenticity, which is really hard to do. Because mm-hmm. it really escalates in that final scene when they get to the house. But yeah. still don't show much. It, mm-hmm. You still don't show much, and it still feels real. And I absolutely love how they brought the story of the, the killer who, you know, makes the 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 person stand in the corner while they're made killing the, the friend. Stand, yeah, mm-hmm. made the kids stand in the corner. While they're um, to be killed. The yeah. way that's integrated is just so brilliant. You are so right. And I, I, I want to uh, key into one uh, word you use, and that's theme park ride, or one term. Uh, because, it, it remi- first off, it reminded me of another found footage movie that, that we'd be, I would be lament not to mention, and that's Troll Hunter. <laughs> Dude, I would love to talk about Troll Hunter at some point. Dude, uh... Troll Hunter rules. I do... Is, is it horror enough? Because like, yeah, for oh, sure, dude, for sure, movie. that might be. Yeah, that'd be kind of a fun next pick. But like, um, uh, yeah, Troll Hunter rules. Uh, but anyway, uh, probably the most the 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 best example of like theme park ride, um, found footage horror film. But you could say that about pretty much any other found footage horror film. Like, they all feel like theme park rides. Uh, to a certain degree, like uh, there, there's a strapped in on rails element to them, um, and there are definitive set pieces. Yeah, well, I uh, remember with like Cloverfield, for example, yes. they were giving out barf bags with the movie. <laughs> really, I didn't. Yeah, know in that. the theaters because of all the shaky cam, people it would just make sick, people yes. get super motion <laughs> sick. Um, need to up. <laughs> I'm glad I don't get motion sickness like that, but I definitely see Cloverfield being a bad movie for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if our theater offered us barf bags because I did see that movie in the theater. I don't remember. Just to wrap up that point, I, I think that it, it does succeed in not being that, and it is one of the only examples uh, to not be that. Um, yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I was. That was. I'm glad. Y'all segued into that because I was going to ask, like, do you guys think that the end of this movie is effective? Yes. Um, and I'm I'm glad to hear that the answer is is yes, because I, I definitely do. Uh, Aaron, you haven't really chimed in about how the ending works for you. Yeah. So to me, the ending was a bit of a one trick pony. So the first time I saw it, I was like completely shocked i was completely blown away which is the point of it which is great like it really like shocks you and it's kind of disturbing and you're like oh man this is the scary part um so i distinctly remember when i was like young and watching that for the first time it was terrifying but after that since you know what's going to happen after that like the two times following that i watched it it wasn't as effective and especially this time I was expecting it and I was like okay here's the ending it's gonna be so good and um this is the scary part and then I watched it and it wasn't as great so to answer your question like yes it was effective but if you watch it in superseding times I feel like it's not as good um yeah I don't know what do you guys think I mean, I, I still find it very effective every time. Um, I think that 
I I like how little they show. That's one of the uh, another example of like the set piece really doing all of the work, like the spooky abandoned house, the little touches that we see there. Literally like, little touches, li- little yeah, handprints. The, the little ch- the children's black yeah. handprints on the walls, um, like the the runes on the walls and stuff like that, and then just like the 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 final shot of uh, of you know Mike standing in the corner before the camera is dropped as like Heather is screaming. You don't see much. It's it's very subtle, but once again it's like the fear of the characters I find like really connected to. Like I feel afraid in that moment because they're so afraid, even though we don't really see anything, um, once again to to the film's benefit. But, you know, like I've like I've said a few times, like when you have a more established language of found found footage horror after seeing stuff like Cloverfield and Troll Hunter when you're expecting some kind of like big payoff at the end of your found footage horror movie and then you get this i yeah. i can see the disappointment i don't feel it myself but i can see how it would not be enough for some people. And so Aaron, I would ask you, and this is not patronizing. I'm genuinely curious. What, what do you think that the ending of this film could have done that would have been more satisfying for you? Like what, what do you feel that you want more of in, in that scene? Like, would you want to see the monster or is just have something a little bit bigger happen or if I don't know. More gore. Yeah. That's a great question. So I think that it accomplished what it wanted to accomplish effectively. I don't think that I would have wanted anything more from it. All I'm saying is that, like, after I watched it once, it lost its, like, effectiveness for me once I watched it again. Because... To be honest, what I said in the beginning of, like, I truly appreciate a horror film that just kind of, like, chronicles people, like, going crazy. Like, that's the type of shit that I love. And this kind of just puts the icing on the cake of, like, you don't exactly know what's going to happen. And honestly, I think if we were to see, like, a witch in the end, I would have been so disappointed. So I think it did everything exactly right. All I'm saying is that, like, once I watch it two, three times... It lacks weight on on return experiences. Ex- That's fair. Exactly. Yeah. That's fair. I, yeah. I'm in the same boat. It, it, for all the same reasons that, like, I wish I could have watched this movie in a vacuum. The suspension of disbelief uh, is, is such a key component, like, and why the realism is so successful. But, like, once you remove that, once you are well aware... This is an artificial, you know, this is a film, this is a construct. You can respect it for for doing such a good job of achieving that. But does it scare me? Um, yeah. You know, uh, and yeah, in this I, case, like I was I was never quaking in my boots, but I was having a great time. I think the big reason it works uh, the first time is because throughout the movie, it keeps the card so close to its chest. So when yes. you do have the final, you know, scene it is such a cathartic payoff because it is so surprising. And when that surprise is lost, I can definitely understand it because then you don't have the surprise, but you just have this kind of payoff. And it doesn't match the movie as well on multiple watches because 
it loses that surprise. I think it works so well the first time because you don't expect it coming whatsoever. Right. I, I think exactly. all of you I think all of y'all make really really uh good points and I I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying. I I personally just acknowledge that I'm very much a mark for this movie. Um I I still even no matter how many times I've seen it do find it like pretty legitimately spooky throughout and I I always am like impacted quite strongly by by the ending, but yeah. It's that's I I that's it's, really just it's, a taste. It's a, it's a ballsy it's, move. Yeah, to, it just, to it just end does it for me with with such a question and for something that uh, is so abstractly horrifying. Yeah, uh, and and just to leave you asking, you know, decades on, why is he facing the wall? Why is he just standing there? Like uh, yeah, exactly. Cool. Like uh, yeah, I the first time I saw it, I hated the ending. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that is so fucking stupid. He's just standing in the corner. We didn't even get to see the dang witch. And it's like I, I thought, where was, is that ding dang witch? Where is that ding dang witch? That's why you're on witch watch, bitch. Uh, but uh, digging the ditch. Yeah, it's I, I just I really I really just uh, enjoy this movie more and more every time I see it. I, I think yeah. it's uh, fantastic. Well, the thing is, Matisse, it's like the thing about this film that I love. The reason that I love it is because, like, if it it might not, like, garner a sense of horror from you or I might not be scared, but, like, this whole movie, when I was watching it, I felt anxious. And that's, like, another huge thing that you feel when you're watching horror films. And for me, that feeling of anxiety is so much more effective. That's why, like, when we were talking about, oh, which film should we review? And I um, talked about funny games. Like, that's one of my favorite horror films because it makes me feel so anxious the whole time. And, like, that's kind of how you feel about Blair Witch because it's, like, as I was watching it, First of all, the filming is so chaotic and it's like it's so it's from your point of view, technically. And then it's like what's happening. It, you don't know what's going to happen. It garnered a sense of anxiety this whole time that I was watching it, which like in turn made me feel good. It Like I like that feeling when yeah. I watch horror films <laughs> well, because that means that it's like effective. It means that it's an effective horror film. If you if you have the sense of anxiety as you're watching it and and for you that that sense of anxiety does persist on on multiple rewatches yes yes absolutely like when i watched this film every time i watched it you're just kind of like unsure and every time they go through these woods you're just like they don't know what's gonna happen and again you're watching it through their point of view with this camera and it's just very, like, chaotic, like I said. And, like, it garners a sense of anxiety. Like, kind of like, it's a deeper emotion than just pure horror or just, like, being scared. Dread. You know? Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. It yeah, does. no, I, I agree. I, I think I think you're you're right on the money. It's, it's a very anxiety-inducing film. And also, as you just said, Cleveland, the, there's such a pervasive sense of dread like for for a lot of it and i i think that that is like in its atmosphere is what it does so well because in terms of things that happen you know it's very it's very sparse Mm -hmm. it's very minimal but it's like 
these people just losing their minds as they're hunted by some, you know, unknown supernatural force through the woods is just like fucking riveting for me. I, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to look away. Indeed. I have a fun question for all you guys. I want you guys to pitch me how you would do a sequel to the Blair Witch Project. I got it. My answer is I wouldn't. (laughs) That's the problem. You're given $50 million. First step, step one. It's funny, actually, I was going to ask a funny question, and it kind of answers yours as well. And that is uh, Robert Eggers' uh, The Witch, best origin story ever. Oh, man. And, and and to answer your question, it would be I would take that money and I would hire Robert Eggers uh, uh, to direct an origin story. Okay, it's a it's a 1930s found footage movie. Yeah. No, 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 no. Remove the found footage element. Filmos. Yeah, yeah. Because again, like you can only do that once. Like get rid of that part. Dragging dragging Edison's Black Mariah through the forest, a <laughs> whole building <laughs> just. I'm building a railroad cart to move the, the camera. My God, what's that moving in the woods? <laughs> okay, so I, I didn't think I had an answer for this, but I actually do have an answer for this. And uh, I'm, I'm going to need you to hang with me. But uh, so it starts with the final scene of the first movie, right? The last couple of minutes of the movie with them going through the house you getting down to the basement, uh, seeing Mike standing in the corner, the screaming, drops the camera, and it stays on the cam. It just it holds on the camera until the the screaming stops and all sound ceases, and then the camera is picked up, and it's the Blair Witch who's picked up the camera, mm-hmm. and so the 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 sequel movie is essentially the same thing where the Blair Witch like stalks a group of like campers in the woods and kills them one by one but this time it's all from the Blair Witch's perspective you still never see her and because she's I, behind I, the camera and, and how feminist is that and how feminist is wow. that <laughs> girls get it done, done. incredible <laughs> I love it I like that honestly I, I, uh, yeah, I'd same. Watch that. Unironically, I'd watch that too. Like, uh, 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 preferably, probably it's a comedy film. But like, like I, I, either way, I'd, I'd sign me up. Well, give me my fifteen million, do- my fifty million dollars, <laughs> and we'll get it done. <laughs> we'll get uh, it done. To, to, to bring up one last dumb thing. Um, uh, considering like the popular, like the the sudden rise of uh, and popularity of of POV. Um, do y'all think that this like this film had a strong impact on the porn industry? No, I don't. Okay, that's all. (laughs) I think that the porn industry had a strong influence on this film. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) I asked that with no knowledge. Um, uh, But yeah, I was I was curious uh, if there was a there was an effect on that. Uh, I mean, it's probably somebody's kink. Blair Witch is probably somebody's kink, but <laughs> um, on that note, is it is it time to wait? Wait, wait, wait! The Bear Witch Project. Oh, that is just hey. naked people, right? Oh, there you I go. There... I wait, isn't that just naked and afraid? <laughs> I thought you were going for like a bear back witch. Oh, Ooh, the bear back witch. There we project. go. Damn, that has to exist. It right? has There's to. There's no way. There's no way. Hold There's on. no way somebody on, let hasn't me, thought of let, that. Let me open up an incognito tab real quick and check. <laughs> the Bear Batch Witch Project. Uh, <laughs> is it? Are, are y'all ready to rate this? Aaron, yes. did you have any other points you wanted to hit? Uh, no, 
I'm okay, good. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. uh, you're our guest, and you suggested this, so uh, why don't we start with your rating? Sure. Okay, so I think that I'm going to give it a solid, like, 3.5. Um, I think it's a great film. Like I said, like, I think it takes a lot for me to watch a film and hate it and then watch it again later on in life and love it. Like, I, I feel like that's not very common for me. So I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's monumental. I think it's kind of groundbreaking. It really set the precedent for, like, a, a type of film that nobody has ever seen before. The filming is chaotic. There are genuine points where you're, like, unsure of what's going on. I'm docking points because I do think it's a little anti-feminist, to be honest. Like, the director of this film is a female, and she's just, like, constantly shit on, which is, like, not cool. And I think, like, what we talked about throughout this night of, like, the just, like, subtle flaws that I had with it... I feel like it's a little misgenred. I think it should be more of like a thriller or a suspense. But that said, like, I really do like it. And I'm glad that I talked to you guys about it because I wanted to get other people's perspective on the film to see what they thought about it. Because I think it is a little bit of a controversial film. So I'm giving it three and a half stars All right. for that reason. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this movie is... A very important movie in that it's kind of a, the hallmark of a genre and kind of the creator of its own genre, essentially. And in some respects, I think I respect it for that a little bit more than I like it. I I don't think it's a flawless film. I think there are some uh, minor issues with uh, with pacing but I think part of that is because I'm looking at it through the lens of 2020 rather than 1999. So in some respects, the legacy of it carries on in its influence more than the movie itself. But that said, mm -hmm. you know, it has such a great atmosphere and sense of dread throughout them getting lost in the woods just feels so real and always knots up my stomach and I think the ending is really spooky. Um, I'm going to give it a solid four. And I would say it's uh, definitely an essential watch for horror fans. My rating is this week's sponsor. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the letter four. <laughs> and uh, also doing y'all's opinions. I, I agree with all of those things. Um, yeah. So I have nothing to contribute beyond that. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So I mean, as I as I've said a, a couple of times, I'm I am very much a mark for this movie. I I think that it is uh, near perfect, at least for me. But that being said, if somebody came up to me and said that they thought the Blair Witch Project was boring, I'd be like, Yeah, I can see that. So, you know, like, I, 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 I do not find it boring at all. I find it extremely tense, scary, uh, creative, authentic, anxiety-inducing, all the stuff we've talked about. Um, but, uh, and, and I think, I think that it, it, I agree with y'all. Like, obviously, it's what it did for film, for horror films specifically, is, is probably its greatest footprint, um, more so than just, like, the movie itself. But I really love this movie. I'm going to give it a solid four and a half out of five. It's one of my faves. But that will give Blair Witch Project, not 
Blair Witch, the sequel, uh, an average of four out of five pods. So check it out if you haven't seen it. Although, I mean, I guess if you haven't seen it, like Like, it's 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 worth watching. It's less than 90 minutes. One way or the other. Like it's worth the dice roll. If you're, if you're like 20 years old, I would be curious to to know how you feel about this film. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't know if Gen Z likes this movie. I'd be curious. curious Put it out to the youth. Hit us up on the Twitter and and let let your granddad know how you feel about this Blair Witch movie. Yeah, I mean, this was a pre-cell phone movie. Yes. Couldn't just... uh, You you Gen Zers out there don't remember before cell phones, but... (laughs) Yeah. There was a time. It's a movie that is very monumental for its time, but it's like, is it going to age well with, like, future generations? That's a great question. Yeah, has it aged well? Like, for me, it, it very yeah. for me, it very much has. But, like, for other people, I, I don't know. It's one of those cases where it's like, I, I'm willing to acknowledge that my abiding love for the film is maybe uh, is, is maybe is hinged pretty heavily on bias. Yeah, I, I play Dead by Daylight uh, fairly regularly with a bunch of kids who are Gen Why Z. Why is it the Blair age. Witch in that one yet? And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I, I doubt that they would they would enjoy it. Ask frankly, the, ask them the next time you play. Ask the I children. Will. I will. Like I, the I will Blair ask the youths. Uh, ask yeah. the youths and report back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we just talked off mic quickly and we decided that uh we're gonna do an emergency episode next week we're just gonna breaking news instead of moving on to cleveland's pick next week like we were planning Fuck it, we're gonna watch this at the Adam Wingard Blair Witch sequel, and uh, and Aaron's gonna come back. So this is gonna be a, a Blair the part one of a Blair Witch two parter. Uh, so yeah. yeah, come back next week uh, to check that out. Uh, I'm nervous. much like the movie. You didn't want a sequel of this episode, but you're getting one <laughs> but you're anyway. Getting it, but you're getting it, and it'll probably be way more convoluted and much less interesting. Get ready, get ready. <laughs> um, well, Cleve, you already did the sponsor. It's four, apparently. <laughs> uh, the letter four. The, the letter, letter four. four. So yeah, it, that'll that'll be the end of this episode. If you like the show, please hit the five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice review. Share yeah. an episode. All five with, of those letters. Yeah, all five of them. All five of those letters. <laughs> Uh, one, two, three, four, and five, and uh, share an episode with a friend. Maybe this episode, if if you're a Zoomer, <laughs> share this episode with your friends who hate the Blair Witch Project and think it's boring, uh, so you can laugh at all of us old people <laughs> over here liking it. You can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterbox.com slash PodPeoplePod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm tweeting for Light Arc Studios. We continue to put out progress on our next chapter of our game. It steers back Tower Call. Tower Call. Go check out the trailer. We're pretty fucking proud of it. And uh, stay tuned for the game uh, update itself. It's going to be fucking rad. And in it's the meantime, point, if you're yeah. looking for something fun to play, uh, play It Stairs Back just in general. Uh, we're in early access. Or check out the Dreg Collection. They're pretty awesome games. Uh, there's we three just, of them. There's three whole games. I worked on two and three. They're super fun. Uh, and you can 
can also check out my work on ArtStation. Just search my name, Cleveland Mosier, uh, for some fun uh, 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 paintings and shit. Uh, and uh, also, I hope you'll have a wonderful day today and also tomorrow. All right, Aaron. Well, now the spotlight is on you. Uh, the floor is yours. Do you have anything <laughs> you want to plug? Um, yes. So I actually just um, semi-recently launched my own website um, back in August, Um I am a freelance copywriter and content writer. So um, if you want to get in touch, just message me on there. Um, I am also a level one sommelier. So I host virtual wine tastings. If you want to learn how to like look at smell and taste wine, I kind of send you a quiz, uh, you fill it out and then I curate a wine list for you. And then I host a wine tasting for you over zoom. So I might yeah. have to actually hit you up for that because yeah. I don't know shit about wine and I'm extremely uncultured and that sounds fun. <laughs> that would be super fun. Yeah. It's can... really fun. I try to make it a good time. I would be happy to host one for you guys. Like you guys have done so much for me. I would love to give you guys a free wine tasting. So yeah. Um, anytime. Yeah, we'll figure awesome. that out. That sounds dope. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, and for those who do follow us on Twitter, uh, a couple of weeks ago, right before Halloween, you might have noticed that we did a little bit of a collaboration with Erin um, on her new website. Uh, you blog about wine and stuff, too. And we did a fun uh, little wine and horror film pairing that was uh, curated by Erin. She came up with uh, a list of genres, got some spooky movie recommendations from us, and then she paired them with the most appropriate wine to match the viewing. Um, is there is there a specific URL for that, Erin, where folks can find that or just check it we out? We can on add that website? to the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I check can out send the show it notes. to you guys for sure. Yeah. It's just on my website. Um, um, AaronVelusic.com is also my blog website too. So anyone who is interested in wine related content, I release things every week or so. Wine related content we did, sounds we did awesome, post, frankly. We did post <laughs> the link to that on our Twitter around that time. Um, so, uh, if you do follow us on Twitter, if you don't follow us at pod people pod and you can find that pretty easily. Um, and, uh, yeah, get some of our, our horror movie and wine pairings. All right. One final question. <laughs> For the podcast, too. Aaron, uh, and we can cut this out if you don't want to put it on the spotlight, but what wine would you pair with Blair Witch? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I think I would pair, let's see, if you're a red wine drinker, I think I would do Zinfandel because it is fruity, but it is also very like smoky and peppery. So you got a kind of like mixture of two different things you don't really know what to expect when you drink it um and uh if you're a white wine drinker i would probably pair with a chardonnay because it's like very full in body um it's very creamy and sometimes you get notes of like butter popcorn that sort of thing so it could be like a nice wine to pair with a movie like you're drinking 
like popcorn, basically. <laughs> so I think this is going to have to be a new segment every time you come on the show, Aaron. Definitely. Be prepared oh my from God, now yes. on. Anytime you're on the show, you have to, at the end, provide a wine pairing for the movie we've yo, talked about. Yo, 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 yo. Aaron with Aaron. Aaron with Aaron. That's the yo. name of this segment. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. That is fun. Okay. Yep. Nope. That is done. Perrin with Aaron is our new is our new wine and horror movie. Awesome. Uh, so, and we'll do another one of those next week when we talk about uh, Adam Wingard's Blair Witch. I'm fully Hold expecting I'm, it I'm, to be I'm like Carlo Rossi or some <laughs> box, box wine. wine. <laughs> box wine. <laughs> Carla Rossi. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. And uh, we're excited to have you back again next week for I'm an so impromptu happy. part two. Um, it's going to be it's going to be really fun. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I had such a good time as always. <laughs> and thanks to everybody who's listening. And uh, until next time. If you get lost in the woods, then I, <laughs> I hope there's not a Blair Witch. <laughs> <laughs>